The Jets have some work to do on their offensive line, especially at the center position. We still have no idea who the starting center in 2023 is going to be for this team, but there are a couple of intriguing draft prospects, and I'll tell you who they are today on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Thursday, April 20th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Subscribe to the show on YouTube for free or wherever you get your podcasts so that, you, so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they are posted Tough to believe the NFL draft begins one week from tonight. It has been a strange offseason for the Jets, and one of the reasons it's been strange is they have not made a ton of upgrades. And in some areas, they, they have some pretty big holes because guys have either departed or not been re-signed, and these guys have not been replaced. And center is one of those spots where Connor McGovern was is still out there. He still theoretically could be re-signed, but the Jets have not replaced him. I cannot imagine the plan is to go into the 2023 season with Wes uh, Schweitzer or Tristan Cologne as the starting center for the Jets. And there are a couple of interesting draft prospects for the Jets, especially as we get to day two of the draft. We'll talk about them today. Now, I think when we talk about the center position, for somebody like me who grew, grew up with the Jets having dominant center play, it, it's easy to focus on it because I remember Kevin Mawai and I remember Nick Mangold and we had them back to back and from 1998 through 2016, almost every year. And, you know, there may, may be a few exceptions there. O, uh, 05, Mawai was injured for most of the season. But for the better part of 18, 19 years, the Jets had elite center play. Now, do you need dominant center play in today's NFL to win? I, there's not really a position outside of quarterback where you need a dominant player. I mean, it, really what you need are dominant players somewhere. Um, and outside of that, where they play doesn't matter as much. I think you can make a very strong argument that center play is less important than it was in the Mawai Mangold days. And the reason for that is just the evolution of NFL schemes. Um, you know, back in the Mawai Mangold days, uh, the dominant defense in the NFL was the 3-4 defense. And one of the staples of the 3-4 was a nose tackle. And essentially, the nose tackle's job was to line up right across from the center on the snap, you know, he was, his job was to hit the center and use use leverage and essentially force one of the guards to, to block him as well. It, the, the nose tackle's job was to draw a double team. His job was to dominate the center to the point where a guard had to help out, and from there the offensive line's blocking assignments got all messed up. And in fact, if you go back to 1998, which is 25 years ago, tough to believe, but if you go back to 1998, Bill Parcells was both the head coach and general manager of the Jets, he was the guy who signed Mawai in free agency from the Seattle Seahawks. And the number one reason he did it, and Parcells was open about this at the time, and he's been open about it since, was in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills were a competitor, and they had a big nose tackle, Ted Washington. And Parcells wanted to be able to counter him. So the Jets signed Mawai in 98, which was you know one of the great free agent classes in NFL history. The Jets not only signed Mawai in 98, they also signed Curtis Martin. Can you imagine signing signing two Hall of Fame players in one free agent class? Uh, an amazing job by Bill Parcells that offseason. But from that point forward through 2016, 
Jets had great center play. Again, maybe a year or two here. Mawai's last season, he was banged up. Uh, Mangold's last season, he was banged up. But for the better part of 18, 19 years, the Jets had phenomenal center play. And it was important because of the rise of the 3-4 defense. Now, of course, through the years, uh, schemes have changed in the NFL. And the passing games become more prevalent. And defenses have responded. And they've kind of shifted away from having that big space-eating nose tackle. They want guys who can get up the field. So... They don't have guys lined up across from the center as much. They don't have guys whose job is to just draw blocks. Their job is to penetrate and get up the field. And the center usually now is on the on pass blocking schemes at least. He's kind of a helper. You know, he snaps the ball and he looks across and which of the guards needs help. Or you know, sometimes more frequently, those it's determined by design and you make a pre-snap read to hand out the assignments. Center's not that as important, but it's still important because we've seen a bad center can sink you, and we saw that with Wesley Johnson. We saw that with Spencer Long in 18. We saw that, you know, periodically with Jonathan Harrison subbing in. We saw that with Ryan Khalil in 2019. A bad center can sink you. You don't need a great center, but a really bad center can sink you. And the Jets don't have a center right now. Now, in the NFL draft, at this point at least, we still are waiting on an Aaron Rodgers trade. The Jets have two second-round picks, and they're back-to-back 42-43. There are a couple of uh, candidates the Jets could look to draft in those spots. And the, the, the big name that's out there from Minnesota is uh, John Michael Schmitz. Schmitz is a, a guy who he was a first-team All-American this year, viewed as, uh, I think, the cons- pretty much the consensus top uh, center prospect in this year's draft, and a, a, a very decorated player out of Minnesota. And, you know, he comes, he's got a lot to play, he's got a lot to work with. You know, he's consistent, he's got good technique, he's got decent athleticism, you know, the Jets are kind of going away from Mike LaFleur's system where the primary run play, or at least the pundits will tell you, the primary run play is what's known as the wide zone play where the running back essentially angles and tries to take the ball out wide, and if nothing's there, then he cuts back inside. So for what you want what you want from a center in that scheme is somebody who can really move because the offensive line has to move with the running back. So if the, the running back's going out really wide, the offensive line needs to move. I don't know that Schmitz has quite the athleticism to dominate in that scheme, but... You know, he's got a lot of tools. You know, he's, he's pretty smart. You know, he, he, I think he reads he reads his assignments pretty well. He's pretty quick to react. There, there's a lot that Schmitz brings to the table. So he's a guy who I think, you know, a lot of people are slotting him in at either 42 or 43 for the Jets for those reasons. They, a lot of people view him as a plug-and-play type player. And I have to tell you, I'm not as excited about Schmitz as I thought I would be. And... Age has something to do with it. He is 24 years old, which of course is not old for NFL ter- in NFL terms, not by any stretch of the imagination, but it makes him a- an older prospect. So why am I concerned with an older prospect? And you'll hear this sometimes from draft analysts. You'll hear the age is a concern. Now, part of this, and this is a small part of it, is when you draft an older player, his prime is not as long. You know, you, you essentially are getting him, you're getting him and you're not getting as many good years out of him because the older you are, the closer to the end of your career you are. I tend to think that this aspect gets a little overstated because I think about some of the older prospects the Jets have drafted through the years. Uh, Marcus May was one of them. You know, he was pretty good. Didn't matter that he was an older prospect. Sione Puuha, back in 2005, excellent player for the Jets. Again, maybe did not have the longevity that a younger player might have had, but you know, you're trying to find good players. You know, if the, now, a good player for a long time is better than a good player for a short time, but a good player for a short time is better than a bust. So, you know, there, I... I, I I don't think it's as big of a deal as people make it out to be. I think the bigger concern with uh, an older prospect, and this is something I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, in the next year or two because of you know what happened in 2020 with COVID. The NF the NCAA 
granted everybody an extra year of eligibility. So guys can stay in college that extra year. Um, it's it's one of the things the, the uh, NCAA did to uh, react to everything that happened a couple of years ago with you know the seasons being changed and all that. But one of the things that happens is now he suddenly these guys are older and they're playing against less developed players. And one of the things that concerns me a little now he was an all conference player his second to last year, but you know, as far as I can find, he really only started dominating this past year when he was the oldest guy on the field. And, you know, you're 23 going up against 20-year-olds. I think that that does make a difference to an extent. And I do have concerns about, you know, is he, how much of it is that he's dominant? And I think part of it's, he's, you know, he's got the tools you're looking for. He's got the requisite athletic skills. Maybe not a guy who's athletic enough to play the wide zone of Michael LaFleur, but, you know, I think with Nathaniel Hackett, we'll see more of an inside zone, which, you know, similar concepts, but he won't, probably won't have to travel as far. He won't have to move as much. I think he can handle that perfectly. Again, I like the technical, I think, Technically, he's pretty refined. I think he's good at reading things in front of him. And with a presumably veteran quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, um, he'll have less on his plate because typically the blocking assignments, it's kind of a tandem deal between the quarterback and the center. So with a younger quarterback, you may want a more experienced center. With an older quarter, you know, with an older quarterback, you can get away with a, cent- with a rookie center. So all that comes into play. And those are things that are, that are positives. But I do, I do wonder a little bit, and again, he's got the technical refinement you're looking for, but I do wonder how much of the dominance was just based on him being the oldest player on the field. Because, you know, when you're 23, you're playing against guys two, three, two, three years younger than you. That makes a big difference. You know, you're closer to your athletic prime than they are. So I think that that's a question, and I think that's a bigger question than, you know, people would admit. And I think it's a bigger deal than just the raw age. I think that, you know, people get, oh, he's an old prospect. He won't last that long. That's not as big of a deal, but... I, I think that the bigger question is how much of his dominance that we saw on the field in 2022 was based on just him being more physically mature than the other guys. And that's something that, that will be worth considering. But he's not the only center prospect worth considering in the second round. There's a big rivalry in the Big Ten. Minnesota, Wisconsin, they play for Paul Bunyan's axe each year. And his rival on Wisconsin is a pretty intriguing prospect in his own right. And we'll talk about him as we continue on this Thursday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Built Bar. The NFL Draft is one week away. One week from tonight, the Jets will be on the clock at 13 unless they trade the pick away from Aaron Rodgers. You'll want to kick back, relax, grab yourself a good snack. Well, let me suggest Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. They have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quality. The bars are all covered in 100% real chocolate. They're absolutely delicious. They taste like candy bars. And let me tell you something. There's an exciting thing coming to Built.com on April 22nd. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something you won't want to miss. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be the first to discover what all the hype's about. I can't wait to see what the new flavor is. And make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15. That's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, number one, number five. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, Built.com on April 22nd for the reveal of a new flavor. Thank you for making Lockdown Jets your first listen or first watch every day. We're talking the center position, a position that's dear to the hearts of many Jets fans. After close to two decades of dominant center play, the Jets had a rough stretch between 2016 and 2019 that was kind of resolved when they signed Connor McGovern in 2020. But Jets are back in the center, uh, market for a center. They 
don't really have any a starter right now. I mean, they have Wes Schweitzer and Tristan Cologne, and I actually, I'll be honest with you, I think that those are both solid signings for backups. I think that they're both good depth players. I just wouldn't trust either to play the center position over the course of 17 games. I'm fine with them filling in for a couple games, but I think over the long haul, they'll be exposed. So we're talking about John Michael Schmitz. He is out of Minnesota. Minnesota is one of their biggest rivals in the Big Ten is Wisconsin. And Wisconsin also has a center prospect, Joe Tiffman, who's entering the NFL draft. And I have to say, this is a guy who, to me, seems like a Joe Douglas type of prospect. Because, we, and we know this, Joe Douglas is really focused on the traits. And that's something philosophical. Listen, he, he learned in Baltimore under Ozzie Newsome. And if you follow Baltimore through the years, you know Ozzie Newsome likes to get guys who are big, who are strong, who, ha- who really dominate athletic tests. Joe Tipman is unusual for a center in that he's 6'6", he's 313 pounds, and he moves. I mean, he this guy can move. And you know, I talked about Kevin Mawai a little bit earlier. Now, if you were a fan during the Mawai days, you remembered what a thing of beauty it was when Mawai pulled at the center position. That's not something that's that common. You know, there aren't that many centers in the NFL who are athletic enough to be a real weapon on the move, where you, they snap the ball and then suddenly they're pulling around. I mean, you, you see guards pull a lot. You, know, you see you see your right guard end up on the left side of the formation just throwing, throwing a block pretty frequently on power plays and counter plays. Ditto, you'll see the right guard, uh, you see the left guard move to the right side on power plays and counter plays. Sometimes you'll see a tackle pull. You don't see a lot of centers pull. And the reason for that is pretty obvious. They have to snap the ball. So it's tough to snap the ball and then explode and get to get, you know, get somewhere else on the field. Tipman is capable of doing it. I mean, he's got all the physical tools that you could look for. And again, I, I think he's pretty refined. You know, I see, I've see i seen some scouting reports suggest that he's not super refined. There, you know, he's a little, his awareness is lacking a little bit. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think, he, you know, he's a very exciting prospect. Um, and again, the, the physical tools are off the charts. And, you know, I, I've been the guy who's this week has been telling you, let's focus on the ability to play football. Let's focus on the techniques. And those things matter. But the physical tools are a little bonus, and when you when you combine those two, you you really could have something. And I think that you know when you have a center who can pull, it just adds things to the playbook. You you're able to add in blocking schemes that weren't there before. It just it brings a little bit of extra to the to the, to the table. So it's it's always a balance. You know, a guy who's great, who's fundamentally sound, but just doesn't lack the just doesn't have the requisite NFL athleticism. You know, he's not going to be very good. The guy who's the great athlete who lacks technique is going to be terrible. But the guy who's a great athlete and who has good technique under as a foundation, he's going to be a heck of a player for you. Now, I will never guarantee you a player, especially a Joe, especially a second-round pick, is going to be a great... Uh, so it's going to be great. But Joe Tipman, I think, is a very exciting prospect. And again, Joe Douglas from that Adi Newsom school where they, they really value the physical traits. I mean, I, to me, this is a guy who I would not... This is a guy who I... I'm not going to say I expect the Jets to pick him, but I think there's a very strong possibility. If he's on the board at 42 or 43, I, I think it's, I think he very well could be the pick for the Jets. What's the concern with Tim? Well, ironically, it's a little bit, it, it's it's kind of a catch-22 because he is 6'6". But you wonder a little bit, is that too tall? There are not many centers in the NFL who are 6'6". And it's a, it, what's interesting is that at the tackle position, you want a big guy. You want somebody who has length because they're facing explosive edge rushers one-on-one. On, one on one. Uh, the tackle position, you're essentially on an island a lot. And, you know, if, you, if your team has to give you extra help, it's a problem. It's not something you want to do. So you need somebody who's lengthy, big arms, who essentially can make contact from far away and maintain your balance, maintain your leverage. And that, that's important for a tackle. 
on the interior, it's a little bit different because you're facing power guys. You're facing guys who are a little bit more compact. You're facing the 300-pound defensive linemen. And yes, some of them are tall, but some of them, a lot of them are, are, are you know, built a little bit smaller or at least shorter. And you know, they're again, they're more compact. And there's an old saying on the offensive line: "Low man wins," and because that's how you get leverage, you get underneath somebody. So I think there's a, there's always a concern, and there have been interior linemen who have been tall who have been very good in this league a guy who wasn't very good with the jets but a guy who moved from tackle to guard kalecio semily was successful in other spots not with the jets but he he played guard center's tough because again you have to snap the ball at the outset and you've got to uh you know and suddenly you have to adjust you have to so can you play center at six six and be effective or you know do you have enough time to get lower than somebody else because you know if you're starting at six six you got to get you know you got you got to move to get low and get, gain the leverage so it's a catch-22, because that frame, I mean, when he locked, latches onto somebody, he could dominate. He just pushes them around. But you do worry a little bit about, in, NFL, against NFL-caliber talent, will the defensive tackles he plays be quick enough to get under him and kind of negate his advantage? You know, size size is a catch-22, especially when we're talking about interior offensive linemen. Now, these are the two guys I have my eye on, uh, Schmitz and Tippmann. They're the two guys I have my eye on for the second round for the Jets. But what if they don't get either of them? I think they could turn to the veteran free agent market, and there are two guys I have my eye on, and I'll tell you who they are as we continue this Thursday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Thursday. We're talking about the center position for the Jets. they got to do something. I, I don't think the Schweitzer-Cologne combination is going to do it for, for this team at center. So it's a good chance the Jets draft somebody in the second round, two prospects, uh, Schmitz and Tipman. Schmitz out of uh, Minnesota, Tipman out of Wisconsin. Both are both are intriguing in their own ways. But and we also know that Joe Douglas loves drafting offensive linemen early. It would not shock me at all to see the Jets go tackle at thirteen, center at forty-two or forty-three, and then suddenly you know that offensive line becomes something you could talk yourself into. And if you, if they hit on a couple early offensive line picks, that could change things. It could change the, the trajectory of the team, and it could give Aaron Rodgers a higher ceiling. Because I think one of the concerns with Rodgers is that as he approaches age 40, is he going to be able to hold up? And the offensive line is going to play a big role in that. And suddenly the Jets' offensive line goes from a major question mark to, well, still a question mark because you're trying to insert two rookies in there, but at least a unit where you can see some upside at play. But what if the Jets don't take anybody? And listen, you can never guarantee you're going to be able to take a player at a given position in the draft. You know, both these guys could be gone. There could be a better option available for the Jets. Again, the draft's a long-term deal. You're trying to find a guy who's going to be with you eight to ten years. It's not just about fixing your immediate needs, and I think that's something that people forget a lot. And listen, I don't think the Jets should even consider trading up in the second round. And I, this is a weak draft class, so I think that the instinct might be to trade up because there are only so many good players available that you want to make sure you get one of them. I think that that instinct is wrong, though. I think that in a draft class with so few elite talents, you want to trade down and give yourself as many opportunities to find one of them. Uh, so I don't think the Jets should trade up. So what happens if they don't get a center? I think there are two options out there. There's Ben Jones, a veteran, played with Houston. He's played with Tennessee. Actually coming off a Pro Bowl berth this year. Seems like a great option, right? Now my issue with him is that he's you know, 33, he's going to be 34. He's coming off multiple concussions. Could be at the end of his career. And we've been down this road before. Sometimes it's worked out for the Jets. You know, I think it's fair to say Dwayne Brown, for as inconsistent as he was, or as banged up as he was, I think you'd probably have to call that a moderate success for the Jets last year. But we've seen it from other guys. We've seen Osemele, Kalechi Osemele, a guy I mentioned, a veteran guy who came here. He was done. It was over for him. Ryan Khalil, another guy. He was done. He was reti- Now, he was actually retired. 
and he, you know, he wasn't really in shape, football shape, when the, the 2019 season began, but we've seen it go either way. I, I'd like to stay away from an older center, though, especially one coming off multiple concussions, which brings me to Connor McGovern, who's still out there. And uh, I've said this earlier this week. You, you every day or so listen to the podcast five days a week will know this. Connor McGovern and the Jets, it just seems like they don't want to be together. It's, but they should be. It's just like the perfect match. You know, McGovern gave you stable center play. Again, you don't need Nick Mangold. You don't need Kevin Mawai. You just need good center. You just need solid center play. And McGovern can give you that. And the, it feels like the market's just completely fallen out for McGovern. I think it, every year you see this happen with certain players. They're trying to cash in on a big money deal, and they overplay their hand, and they ask for too much money, and nobody's interested. And then suddenly the cap space dries up, and you know, teams don't have money to spend, and these players are out. You know, they, they don't have anywhere to go. So essentially, they have to come back on a cheap one-year deal. They have to find a team that's willing to take them on a cheap one-year deal. And if you're the Jets, this makes sense. Get McGovern. You know, he'll, he'll be a stopgap for a year. We can deal with center again all, next offseason. You know, maybe even draft somebody this year. You know, maybe you draft somebody. Maybe you can start one of these guys at guard. And then you ease them into the NFL because, you know, at guard, you don't have to snap the ball. It's a little bit of an easier transition. You know, I think sometimes we... we we, we don't respect guards enough. It's not that guard is an easy position, but relative to center, it's you know maybe an easier position to break yourself into the into the NFL before you slide slide to center and take the responsibility for snapping the ball, for calling out the line protections, things along those lines. But it just always felt to me like this was a logical move for the Jets, and there's been no interest on either side yet, but it's gotten to the point where the Jets need a center. McGovern needs a team. There's not a lot of interest you know, in either side. And if the draft, if we get past the draft and McGovern's still on side, to me, he's the guy to bring back. Anyway, I'd love to hear what you think, but that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. Please, a five-star review if you're listening on a podcast source or a big thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week.